This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's one of those days where you're seeing that the left is crazy, but also very powerful. I know that might be a lot of days lately, but today definitely with the blocking of certain news stories, the uh, suspension or, or when they say suspension, they really mean the banning, the ultimate banning of a conservative group, uh, Project Veritas, from Twitter because they exposed that CNN is a propaganda organization. It is effectively an organ of the Democrat Party. Uh, and all these things are happening. And it's so clear how egregiously dishonest this stuff is. But the left's attitude, this is why I keep saying hypocrisy doesn't matter to them. The left's attitude is, yeah, we can do this now. We can get away with it. That's the point. They're not even hiding it. And that's something I want you to remember as we see all the debates play out now, whether it's in D.C. or across the country about some of these issues. Their attitude is, it's our time in your face. What are you going to do about it? That's how the socialist left approaches things in America now. And social media, as I mentioned, is one of the areas where this is clearly happening a lot. When you've got Veritas, Project Veritas getting permanently suspended. What for? Embarrassing friends of the left, Democrats. And then you have a BLM founder who, yeah, is spending millions of dollars on properties for herself uh, based off of donations for the cause, for the struggle, whatever. And then and then Facebook says, well, you can't list that she owns you know, these houses. Really? Because they do that to celebrities all the time. Friends, they're trying to stack the deck for their side and to crush the voices of truth on the right that are speaking about all this stuff. And that's going on all the time. It's happening to me. It's happening to you. Big tech is absolutely tracking and suppressing what you're doing. This is why I want you to get a virtual private network. A virtual private network is something I've got operating on all my devices right now. It is a program that protects you from spying by hiding your IP address, and it also encrypts your data. This is just a necessary security measure. It's like having a, you know, a lock on your front door and a burglar alarm, right? This is what you need to have to protect your stuff online. And the best one in the business is ExpressVPN. With ExpressVPN, you anonymize a lot of your online presence by hiding your IP address, which makes it more difficult for big tech to track and trace and sell all your stuff to advertisers. And it's so easy. You just download the app to your phone, and then you're good to go. You'll have it set up once you create an account within minutes. And right now, if you go to my link, expressvpn.com slash buck, you'll get three extra months free when you sign up for a year. That's expressvpn.com slash buck. This is a must for your phone, for your devices. Expressvpn.com slash buck. The Electoral College, the Supreme Court, statehood for D.C., the filibuster. How many things will the Democrats decide need to be fundamentally transformed by the Biden presidency as soon as possible? Right. How, how many areas, uh, fundamental areas of our of our government and and the foundation of so much of our system will come under uh, assault by these leftists before we realize, oh, you mean that they're the ones that think that institutions need to be undermined? I, I thought, you know, what you've really seen here, friends, is that for four years they told you that Trump was a fascist who was destroying our government. 
Now we see who the real fascists who want to destroy our government are. Now we see who's not willing to play by the rules, who wants to change them as quickly as they can. It's not us. And, and if you're wondering, well, what, what's an example of this, Buck? Here's little Jerry Nadler. You know, he's got his pants pulled up to his eyeballs. And here he is telling everybody that, oh, no, they're not going to pack the Supreme Court. Play six. <laughs> Some people will say we're packing the court. We're not packing it. We're unpacking it. <laughs> we're not packing it. We're unpacking it. I mean, just just lie to everybody. Just lie to everybody. The Supreme Court has had nine justices for over 150 years. But because they don't like who's on the court, the definition of court packing changes. Because they don't like the possible decisions here, uh, they, they're willing to just completely upend the system, change the system. And uh, now here we are with the uh, Democrats saying that the, the Electoral College, the Electoral College is, is next. Uh, it, it's amazing, folks. These Democrats are such a disgrace. And, you know, it's amazing that we have to sit here and pretend that we don't see exactly what we're seeing. You know, they're, they're advancing. They're advancing this to a place where they're going to just have to have the media openly forego any pretense of objectivity. You know, as I've told you, there's a, a war on observation that's happening right now. There's a war on seeing what's actually going on around you. And if you stand firm, if you say, hold on, I know what's happening. I know who's actually trying to transform the government. I, I know who won't play by established rules and norms and doesn't adhere to any principle. I see what they're doing. You do that. You're the enemy. You're a problem. And they will deal with you accordingly. And the first the first level of that, the first line of offense from them is to just lie to your face. I mean, think about this. Jerry Nadler is really saying that they're unpacking the court. Court packing refers to adding judges so you get your way. That's what it is. Court packing is not adding judges because I don't like what's I'm sorry. Unpacking is not adding judges because I don't like what they're getting. That's not how this works. But here's Pelosi on how we should consider expanding the Supreme Court. Play 10. Do you support Jerry Nadler's bill to expand the Supreme Court by four seats? And would you commit to bringing that bill to the floor? No. I, I support the president's commission to study such a proposal. Uh, but um, frankly, I'm not right now. We're back. Our our members, our committees are working. We're building the infrastructure, putting together the infrastructure bill and the rest. I don't know that that's a good idea or a bad idea. I think it's an idea that should be considered. And I think the president's taken the right approach uh, to um, to have a commission to study such a thing. It's a big step. It's not out of the question. It has been done before. I think it's a good idea. Maybe we should consider it. Yeah. Okay, Nancy. We all we all know what's going on here. She's not sure of the politics of this yet, but she knows the base likes to hear it. So they say, let's go for it. Here's Hank Johnson, member of Congress, who's saying, I mean, the number needs to be at least at least 13. Play 14. The real outlier is the fact that the court hasn't changed while the rest of the federal government has grown, keeping pace 
with the growth of the nation. Many of the earlier changes in the number of justices were made specifically in response to national growth. In 1807, for example, a Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals was added when Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ohio were added to the Union, and a new justice was added to the Supreme Court, bringing, bringing the total number of justices to seven. But this natural expansion stopped after the Civil War, leaving us today with the historical oddity of 13 Circuit Courts of Appeal and only nine justices. I believe it's time to go back to this tradition and have at least 13 justices. At least. And this has nothing to do with the fact that Trump just appointed three judges to the Supreme Court in his one term. Nothing to do with that. No, this is about history and precedent and standards. I mean, folks, this is amazing, isn't it? Democrats will believe anything that helps them. They'll believe anything that's in their interest to believe. They'll convince themselves of anything. It doesn't matter. And you're seeing that right now. It's just remarkable. It's like we're all supposed to be so stupid that we can't see exactly what's going on. Now, maybe they don't get some of this through. Maybe it doesn't end up happening, but it does show you what their mindset is. It does show you what their mentality is through all of this, which is just the raw exercise of power is what matters. Whatever lies they have to tell about all of this are inherently justified. Whatever just completely cockamamie description of events they have to unveil before the American people, completely acceptable. The Electoral College, the filibuster, the Supreme Court, they told us that Trump was undermining our sacred institutions with a straight face for four years. What exactly did Trump do that transformed an institution of government think of one thing i i would ask you i'd i'd challenge anyone out there think of one thing oh it's really hard because it didn't happen and yet the media was all united in this and what i what we're seeing here is the democrat party's absolutism which comes from the rise of the socialist mentality and this is why there's also all this pushing of these ideological just catastrophes but they don't they don't view it that way green new deal and all and, and green new deal the permanent uh health tyranny of the fauciites you're seeing this now they really do want to control everything about your life they don't like freedom we have an anti-freedom party in this country now and it is the democrat party they do not like individual choices we know the only choice that they view as sacred is the one to abort a baby that's it no other choice Everything else is up to the state's whim. Everything else is up to what the government bureaucrats tell you. Yesterday, I was uh, in the gym on the treadmill trying to deal with the COVID-15 a little bit. And sure enough, I'm sitting there and, you know, I I'm wearing a mask. I'm sweating through the mask. Can you say why? Because I have to. Otherwise, they come in and say you have to leave. And, and I'm on private property, so I have no choice. And I sit there and I say to myself, how much dumber are we all supposed to get? I'm immune to COVID-19 and the chance of me being on a treadmill, feeling perfectly healthy after immunity. But even if I wasn't immune, passing the virus to somebody, there's one other person in the gym. There's like 50 feet away from me. The whole thing is so dumb, but you have to accept their stupidity. Don't you see their arguments suck? And because their arguments suck, what do they do? They force you to obey. They don't convince you. You must comply. 
This is the new Democrat mentality to use the state, to use government power to insist that you go along with their idiotic ideas, their destructive, anti-freedom, banning of common sense ideas all over the place. This is what we're dealing with now in this Democrat Party. And we all need to understand that they're showing us who they are all the time with the comments they're making about transforming and therefore undermining longstanding institutions of government that are supposed to be checks and balances ultimately on political power. They reject all of that. They are also bitter about having to suffer through four years of Trump. Oh, it was so horrible. The four years of Trump. Yeah. A booming economy and peace sounds terrible to me. Oh, COVID. Yeah. Trump was responsible for COVID. That's the kind of lie that they managed to get away with because the media is on their back pocket. It's disgusting, isn't it? But we're happy warriors, friends. We stay in this fight no matter how insane, no matter how much the other side lies. We continue to hold the line because this is still a country worth fighting for, even if Jerry Nadler wants to tell us that we can't understand the plain meaning of language. As a result, we have a stilted, illegitimate 6-3 conservative majority on the court that has caused this crisis of confidence in our country. The Republicans stole two seats on the Supreme Court, and now it is up to us to repair that damage. Our democracy is in jeopardy today because the Supreme Court standing is sorely damaged. Listen to all that propaganda from Senator Markey. Our standing is damaged, Senator Markey says. Listen to this guy. I mean, what, first of all, what a, what a jerk from up in Massachusetts. But all the stuff that he says, it's just such flimsy, intellectually worthless, dishonest crapola. But he's saying it anyway. Illegitimate? Why is it illegitimate that the Supreme Court is 6-3? What exactly? How did Trump steal seats? Trump wasn't even president when Merrick Garland didn't get his vote. What's the big deal? What are they even talking about? Oh, that's right. They know that right now, if they try to just, if they try to run for it, you know, if they try to make a break for it and do the most extreme things the Democrat Party really wants to do. And I want I want to remind you all of that right now. There are things that Democrats won't do that they're talking about right now, and it's because they either fear the backlash or they're afraid they couldn't actually get it done if they tried. But it's not because they don't want that outcome. It's not because the Democrats wouldn't prefer that situation. So that's where this is. It's just a question of what they can get away with. They're not holding themselves back. There is no part of the Biden administration Democrat mindset that says, oh, yes, that would that would expand our power. And but we don't we don't want to do that because we realize that's not fair play. That doesn't exist. There is no fair play to this Democrat Party. They do not care at all. It's just can we get away with this? Can we get it done? That's a different calculation. They, unlike Republicans, unfortunately, never hold themselves back because they respect the system or because they think there's something higher than there's a goal that's higher than their own aspirations for power and control. 
which is why someone like Senator Markey can go up there. I mean, think of all the stupid things he says. No one stole anything. It didn't belong to President Obama, the Merrick Garland seat. There is no system that's set up that the Supreme Court's ideological balance that the Democrats had gotten used to for a while is the way that it has to be. We're always told the Supreme Court's not even supposed to be ideological, folks. So on the one hand, Democrats, they used to say that, oh, it's not political. Now that it's not political in their favor, it's, oh, it's not allowed to be political. Or we have to pack it. We all know we're adults here. We know the Supreme Court has turned into a politicized institution. There's no question about that. There's no, no serious argument to be had about it. I mean, I wish it wasn't uh, wasn't so. But activists, you had decades of activists, lib judges on the Supreme Court who decided they would just give progressives what they want. It wasn't about interpreting what's in the Constitution. It wasn't about the actual meaning of laws and statutes. It's, yeah, but we like this thing and we think the people should have it. So we're going to pretend that it says give this to them in the Constitution. The super legislature of nine judges in black robes. Sorry, not going to be that easy right now. But I love this. It's illegitimate. They're stealing. We're, we're, we're fixing what's broken here. How many lies can somebody fit into one stupid soundbite? I mean, Senator Markey was trying really hard, really hard there. And uh, there, there are others as well who, who go to pretty extreme lengths to try to explain to everybody why their nonsensical, absurd ideas uh, are somehow what the country should accept here. Oh, and if you're just wondering... Back in the day, here's a whole bunch of Democrats talking about court packing when it didn't favor them politically. Play two. I would not get into court packing. We, we had three justices. Next time around, we lose control. They had three justices. We began to lose any credibility for the court has at all. There are some people on the Democratic side who would like to increase the number of judges. I think that was a bad idea when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. Took an act of courage on the part of his own party institutionally to stand up against this power grab. It raises problems that are more damaging than the problems that exist. And, and I, so I think that is not uh, the ultimate solution. So I am not at all in favor. But where does Let it us. stop? I mean, so we go yeah, from yeah. 9 to 15, right. and then the next right. no, party takes terrible. over in 15 to 27. And I think that we better be very, very careful in saying that uh, we need to expand the Supreme Court. I think we better be very, very careful. You had Harry Reid, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Bernie Sanders, uh, Joe Biden himself, you had all these different people weighing in. And it's not like they're, you know, Uncertain. They're like, no, this is a, this is a dumb idea. This is bad. This is very because there's no way. The only way this makes sense, and this is what I want you to want you to remember. The only way this makes sense as a strategy, even for the power mad Democrats, is if they think there'll never be an opportunity for Republicans to then pack the court with their judges because they won't ever be in the majority. They won't have the presidency. And I think some of them believe that. And I think some of them, a lot of them actually, think that that's what they can achieve if they go for the jugular right now. That they got to go for it right now. They know this. They've only got, it's really between now and the end of the year. 
Because once they get into the midterms, the machinery of the elections takes over. But that's why, you know, you, you, you don't know here. You really don't know how this is going to go. I mean, here's uh, Congressman uh, McCarthy. Play 15. My heart goes out for all. What you find from the Democrats, they don't want to just defund the police. They want to remove all police officers. That's the new cry. But now we're finding what you just played here. They want to dismantle the Supreme Court because they're trying to dissolve the American way. Think about it. Three co-equal branches. They have two branches right now. The only thing that holds them back from their socialist views going forward that are unconstitutional, like a D.C. statehood, is a Supreme Court that would stand up for the American people. So they want to pack the court to protect their power. It's all about one thing, control. And do not trust Nancy Pelosi when she says she will not move it. Remember, that's what she said about impeachment before she moved impeachment twice. We've watched her time and time again to come to what the socialists actually asked for. She surrendered to the socialists many times before, and she will do it again. He's right, folks. Uh Uh-oh, it's time for Dr. Fauci, the lab coat tyrant, to get a little comeuppance. You know, because he's saying the mitigation efforts, we might have hit a plateau and the diminution of the parabolic upsurge of the data tells us all that, I mean, this guy's the worst, as you know. And, and he's starting to, starting to feel the heat because people who are paying attention or honest are realizing this guy's a little jerk and he's a clown and he's wrong and he's bad at this job and he's done a lot of damage to people in ways large and small. And this, this pretense that, you know, it reminds me. It reminds me of uh, you know my my dad told me that there were, when I was growing up there was a place, um, there was a place where you could go to do fishing and it was like a fishing and hunting preserve. It was a private fishing and hunting preserve you could go to, and and he was a member. And there was a guy there who used to sign everything. He owned the place. He was the owner, but he would sign everything the committee, <laughs> which was such a a great way to because then you can't get mad. I mean, when they say everybody has to. You know, everyone has to go to bed by 10 o'clock or something who's staying there. Or, you know, no one's allowed to go go fishing on Saturday because the committee says so. How do you argue with the committee? Who's even on that? Oh, I don't know. It's the committee. Well, it's actually just this one guy. That's what Fauci is for national health policy and the economy and basic freedoms and liberty. It's, oh, it's not me. It's, you know, the data. I look at the data. And, you know, I'm a scientist and I all this stuff that he does, right? The, the usual song and dance when really we all know that Fauci walks into a room with Robert or Rochelle Walensky and, and a few other, you know, CDC people or whatever. And he just goes, all right, this is what I think I'm going to go say now about what you, about your, your data. And he just goes on TV. He says whatever he wants. This isn't some that's why I call it the Fauci consensus. The whole notion of it being a consensus is a fraud. The whole idea that this is the only answer, the only way to go with this stuff is a lie. And he has been the front man, the pitch man, the person behind that the whole time. Jim Jordan, you know, you, ne- you never want to mess with a wrestler. I'll, I'll tell you, you don't you certainly don't want to you don't want to wrestle or fight a wrestler, but they're a tenacious bunch, you know, because not only are, are they just used to. Uh, that that sort of physical exertion through pain, but they'll do the running in the trash bag thing to drop weight. And I'm just 
wrestlers. I've known some. My college roommate uh, was a wrestler. I've known some. They're an intense bunch. All right. Anybody you know, you know what I'm talking about. You never want a guy. You never want to get into a scrap with a guy with, you know, cauliflowered ears. I'm just telling you, it's a rule. And whether it's verbal or otherwise, and Jim Jordan, you know, he's a state champion wrestler. And anyway, he's uh, getting into it with Fauci and he pretty much puts Fauci in a half Nelson here. You know, maybe even a full Nelson. I know that's actually illegal under collegiate wrestling rules. Uh, but he puts he puts him in the half Nelson because here's here's what, what we see when, when Fauci's talking about this. He pretends to be stupid. He plays dumb on things like, oh, I'm not you know, it's not a liberty thing. And I, I'm not I'm just here to save your lives. I, I don't even know about this other stuff about the economy or ruining people's livelihoods. I don't even know about I'm, I'm just a public health expert, sir. Play three. Well, in your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high. Threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. What? I mean, we've we had 15 days to slow the spread, turned into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures, what has to happen before yeah. Americans... Get their freedoms. Back. My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low, that it is no longer a threat. That is when. And I believe when that happens, you will see what determines when. What determines when is the question Fauci doesn't want to answer. Because here is, and, and I, I really want you to remember that I'm saying this to you. I really want you to remember this. Eventually, we are going to get to a place, eventually, and I don't know when it is, because I think they're fighting this in every way they can, but there will come a time when we reach the point where they say, okay, we're going to have now some more substantial uh, lessening of these restrictions, but there will still be COVID out there. And there might even still be, there will still be, I believe, people being hospitalized and dying from COVID. And that will be the an admission because all along what they've said is people are dying, shut up. This is about saving lives. If it saves just one life, if there's a one in a million chance that you double masking in your car by yourself might stop somebody from getting the virus because, you know, maybe you go to a drive-thru and you're, you're spittle, you know, whatever, some crazy idea. If there's a one in a million chance, it's a good idea. Whatever discomfort and absurdity you have to go through, that has been their logic. That has been their argument to shut you down, to shut you up. But at some point, they're going to have to say, you know what, I actually, yeah, okay, so we're going to get rid of some of this stuff. And you'll say, hold on a second, but people are still dying. And people are still people are still getting this virus. So what you really meant all along was that there's a trade off to be made here and that this is about a balance between public health and individual freedom. And when the lockdown left wanted absolute power, they just pretended there was no trade off. All we care about is maximizing even in ways that are absurd protection from the spread of this virus. That there was no balancing. There, there will eventually, you see, they'll concede that there's a subjective 
and even somewhat arbitrary component of this. And this is what's so important about this exchange with Jim Jordan, because he's forcing Fauci into a corner. He keeps saying, you know, when the caseload gets low, when it gets to a low enough level, the number is going to be at a place where we're going to see a concomitant uh, lessening of the, you know, the the, the data and the, the metabolic increase from the whatever, right? All the nonsense that he always says, the pseudoscientific crap this guy spews. Ultimately, what we want to know is, okay, when do we get this to stop? When can I walk in to a store in New York City without a mask on and not have everybody look at me like I'm Jack the Ripper? When can that happen? What when do states hear from the CDC that the the guidance tells them that it, enough is enough? People can actually just live their lives because it's not just getting vaccinated, folks, as we know. And God bless Ted Cruz for being a person who is vaccinated and is walking around the Capitol without a mask on. All this mask wearing theater that people were doing was exactly that. The people who have been vaccinated, people who have had the virus, there is zero real reason for them to wear a mask. Fauci's vaccinated. He double masks. What kind of bull crap is that? He's vaccinated. We've already talked about this. The numbers, the chance of somebody getting infected with COVID if they've been vaccinated is is point zero zero eight. The chance of them having a serious enough infection, this is the other part of it, to pass to somebody else because they're going to have a lesson. Their body has some antibodies, you see. It's going to be a weak viral load they carry. The chance of them, even if they have a minor infection, giving it to somebody else is going to be even smaller than that. We all can see this. But Fauci's what a double mask. I got a double mask. Jim Jordan stays in the fight. And like I said... It's going for a double leg takedown here. Play four. I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, what, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does when does no. when do we get to the point? What measure? What standard? What objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted their liberties have i don't look at this as a liberty thing congressman jordan well that's obvious as a public health thing but, but uh, the, i disagree with you, you on think that the constitution complete. is suspended during it during a, a a virus during a pandemic it's certainly not this will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low it is now at such a high level there's a threat again of major surges. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted. I mean, for a year now, Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of, of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. Fauci is a totalitarian tyrant. Okay, he is. That's what Dr. Fauci has become. He's he's admitting as much here. I don't view it as a liberty issue. Yeah, no, 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 duh. I'd like to say something else, but we're on radio. No, duh. No, no surprise there. 
no willingness whatsoever over the last year to make a realistic adjudication between individual liberties and freedoms and the threat of this virus. And also, let's be honest here, no, no reasonableness when looking at the efficacy of these measures which have failed. They have failed. All right, what you've had are so many people, so many, you know, MSNBC watchers. They're, they're turning on, you know, Morning Joe or Matt Owl or whatever. They go, yeah, I'm double masking. I'm doing my part. No, what they really did is, you know, they're 25-year-olds who are sitting at home in Brooklyn thinking that they're heroes because they're saving, they're saving people from COVID. But they're forcing essential workers and seniors to be at greater risk because they stay the, the, the young and the healthy stay home, not understanding that actually looking at who's at risk and who's not would have been the smartest focus protection would have been the smartest way to handle this. But this this turned into a personal branding virtue signaling extravaganza so quickly, didn't it? Because that's the the emotional center of people with left wing politics is what is this? It's not what is true. It's how does this make me feel and how does this make me look to others? Don't ever forget, not only is duplicity and hypocrisy, not only duplicity and hypocrisy central to the Democrat ethos, vanity is so very, very important to them. So I just want to know when do Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? You know, I don't think anything was censured because they felt they couldn't disagree with me. I think you're pers- you're pers- making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's not a personal thing. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. No, your recommendations carry a lot of weight, Dr. Fauci. We just had the, the chair of yeah. the Financial Services Committee said she loves you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. Will My the recommendations yield? are consistent. Will the gentleman yield? No, it's my, it's my no, time. Can I answer the question, please? My recommendations are not a personal recommendation. It's based on the CDC guidance, which is which is. And which I'm asking the question, what measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. I no, you haven't you. given anything specific. You said we hope when this third. Tell me specifically. Right now, be right reached. now, we have about 60,000 infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, I, and That's I get what that, we're doc- talking about. No, we actually are talking about liberties, you little fascist. And we're talking about the fact that the pandemic playbook that existed for decades before 2020 always knew that lockdowns and masks would be ineffective, not worth it. And that's why that was not at the beginning of this pandemic, even from Dr. Fauci's own mouth. That was not the plan. But the plan changed because it was about more than the virus, so much more. It was about control. It was about defeating Trump. It was about the transformation of America under the guise of protecting your health. Meanwhile, we've had over 100 million infections in this country, easily. Maybe 150 million, maybe more than that. Based on an actual extrapolation of the 30 million confirmed cases, we've had way more than that, everyone knows. At least three to four, maybe five, maybe more times that number. So what exactly did these health measures, the measures, get us? 
just act, just extra pain, frustration, division. It didn't do anything. When I talk about the measures, I'm not saying individuals choosing, you do whatever you want. You want to stay home. You want to wash your hands. You want to wear a mask. I'm talking about government mandates. You must do this or else, says the government, because it's for your health. What, when the, what about when the government's wrong? Notice how Fauci, and they have been wrong, as you know, many times, uh, about this specific issue. Notice how Fauci also says, it's not my opinion, it's the science and the CDC guidance. Well, there are a lot of morons who work at the CDC. You've probably figured that out right now. And that's not even true. Fauci goes on TV night after night spouting off nonsense. And there have been First Amendment uh, issues. They have decided that it was, at different points, too risky for people to protest lockdowns. You remember that? That happened in this country. You're not allowed to protest outside against the lockdown. No gatherings allowed. That is explicitly, clearly a First Amendment violation, and it was tyrannical when they did it, and it was disgusting. And then, of course, they abandoned that idea the moment that BLM wanted to go out and loot and riot and destroy. But Fauci, what a slime ball! So much destruction, so much misery and ruination. All because what? If we hadn't listened to him, we would have we would have had. 250 million infections? We really believe that? Everybody would have got infected if we hadn't listened to Fauci? Where's the ratio of success here? I just want to know. And and yet, people look at this guy like he's some kind of a hero. Uh, Dr. Fauci is the most destructive, anti-freedom. Um, he's the, he is the bureaucrat. He is the American... Uh, American bureaucratic official who has had the worst impact on the country and I would argue on the world in my lifetime and maybe ever. Two shootings in the last 24 hours getting a lot of attention in the news. I just want to say as I talk to you about this that there's more and more facts coming in about them, uh, updates all the time. So some of you may know more than even I do about this. By the time you hear this, depending on on when you listen, but let's start first with uh, this terrible shooting in uh, in Indianapolis, uh, where you had at a FedEx facility near the Indianapolis airport eight people killed, and the shooter took his own life. Uh, apparently, there was no confrontation with anyone. There was no disturbance. There was no argument, and. The, the truth is, it's surprising because they haven't identified who this is at this point, which seems strange. And they also haven't identified any any motive whatsoever. And now this could just be, it could be workplace violence, could be any number of things. But I will say that we've lost so much faith in the press that that I think anybody who reads a story like this, and, and there seems to be a delay whether there is or not, and, and I don't know, but if it just seems like there's a delay in the release of certain details, then the political machinery starts to move in your mind. You say, hold on a second. If this were a guy, if this were a white male in a MAGA hat, so to speak, right, or if this were a white male Trump supporter based on his social media profile, would we already know about it? 
would ABC and CBS and NBC and all the rest of them, would they already have told us every possible detail about the shooter so that then the the entire apparatus of the of the leftist socialist commentariat all over TV can then start talking about how the real threat is, you know, white supremacy. The real threat is Trump supporters. I mean, just to give you a sense of the kind of things that are said here, here's MSNBC's Joy Reid uh, from earlier in this week talking about, I mean, comparing Trump and, and Osama bin Laden. I mean, she's doing this on purpose, folks. Play 25. Yeah, you know, Jay Johnson, you would know better than I, because you know President Obama better than I do, um, far better. Um, you know, he did run on this idea that, you know, of his opposition to Iraq wars, what sort of made him sort of rise in, in politics, and the idea that Afghanistan could go on forever. We can't stay anywhere forever, especially when we've got home security threats in terms of violent white nationalism that's threatening our capital, when we've got our own former president inciting people into violence and pushing them more into this violent white extremism, much the way bin Laden, you know, did sort of inspiring people to be this way yeah trump pushed people to violent white extremism the way that bin laden pushed people on al-qaeda i mean this is somebody who has a show on msnbc he's paid a lot of money to be a moron on television that's pretty remarkable when you think about it and by the way everyone over at msnbc says stupid stuff all the time i mean rachel maddow um, among the the more cognitively capable anchors over there. She ran with the Russia collusion fraud for years. I mean, if you ever watched, I, I watched her monologue some nights just out of curiosity. And it was just fantasy land, make believe stuff about the Kremlin and this person and this oligarch and that person. It was all, it was all bull. It was all crap. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. But you see, we, we now, if you, if you pay attention, you have to recognize that the media is constantly lying to you. They're constantly engaged in all kinds of, of fraud and misdirection. And so that means that whenever there's a delay after a mass shooting, you think, well, is this because they don't want everyone talking about the shooter and the motive? Whether it's true in this case or not, I have absolutely no idea, but I, I know everyone thinks about it, and that's a shame. If we had honest journalists in this country, which we overwhelmingly do not, things might be quite a bit different. But we do not have people who we can count on to just uh, present the facts and the truth. We have people running around calling themselves journalists who are really just the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party and of the left in general. I mean, of people who are are, are part of this ideology. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you think about now how if someone tells me that they're an MSNBC watcher, I can guess what. 95% of their political positions will be just based on that one thing on a whole range of issues. I know which politicians they like. I know what foreign policy issues they support. I know where they are on abortion, on guns, on immigration, on health care, on, you know, you name it, on masks, of course. I know all these things. It's really stunning to see what the left really has become and what they really mean. But I, I see this, this FedEx shooting, and I can't help but think back to how in the aftermath of the shooting in Atlanta at those um, massage parlors where it is believed there was, uh, you know, there was prostitution going on too, uh, this, this guy, this mass shooter, there was, it was a referendum on the whole 
right wing in the United States that this guy went on this mass shooting. That's the way that it was treated. And then you had the shooting in Boulder, Colorado, and there was an initial effort to continue on with the narrative, but there was so much less focus on it. And I know with the the James O'Keefe videos, it's come out that, you know, CNN only shows, only focuses on certain stories with certain kinds of attackers, certain kinds of, of bad guys, if you will, and they won't focus on other ones. It depends on who the assailant is. That's how much focus it gets. If it's if a white male in CNN world, if a white male does something evil, and there certainly are plenty of people from who are white males from all different races who do evil things, if a white male does something evil, it's a major news story right away, especially if, say, there's a white male who attacks Asians. But if a black male attacks Asian people or does something awful, it's a minor news item if it gets any attention at all. Certainly not worthy of a national conversation. Certainly not something that has to be reflected in endless panels on CNN and and other channels. No, no, no. We don't need to get into that. They'll even go so far as to say that it's white supremacy. And they've done this. There are articles written about this. It is white supremacy when a black person attacks an Asian person in America. It is an example of white supremacy. And I know you hear that and you say, come on, Buck, I'm telling you, that is the left-wing approved narrative. That it is because of white oppression that other races now can have incidents, that there can be people of other races where there's a violent incident between them. It's, it's madness. It's madness. Okay, and then there's, so that's, I don't have a lot on the FedEx shooting other than we're all sitting here thinking, hmm, I wonder if the fact pattern were a little different if we would know more already because the police are being very tight-lipped about things. I mean, never forget, my friends, at the Pulse nightclub under the Obama administration, the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida where you had a, an, Islamic, uh, an Islamic mass shooter, uh, an Islamist or jihadist mass shooter uh, who was saying, I do this in the name of ISIS, I do this in the name of Allah, and they cut it out of the, the FBI. Obama's FBI cut that out of the public transcript. Don't ever forget that they did that, that they won't actually present you with the truth, that they want to treat you like children who can't really make your own decisions because it's easier to control you. And then there is this shooting in Chicago. Um, Adam Toledo, uh, 13 years old, and here's here are the here are the facts as we know them from this incident. Okay, here's what we know about this. You have uh, an individual here, or you you have police were told that there was shots fired in a in a part of Chicago here, and they showed up. They arrested one guy who was 21 that they found, and then a 13 year old named Adam Toledo ran away. This was 16 this was 16 days ago, okay? Um, but now you have the body cam footage has been released. 17 body cam videos from involved and responding officers, four third-party videos, uh, two audio recordings, six shot spotter recordings. And so there were shots fired and Adam Toledo uh, you know, took off took off running when the police arrived. And this is this is the unfortunately this very high risk scenario where someone runs from police after shots fired 
with a firearm in his hand. I know he's only 13 years old, but a 13-year-old can pull the trigger of a gun very easily. And he he's running, and the police say, stop, it's all in the body camera. And there's one shot that the police officer fires because when he goes to pull his hands up and he turns, he moves quickly. The officer, the officer believes there's a threat. He shoots, he kills this young 13-year-old boy. You know that CBS News edited the video initially to show that he didn't actually that the, he didn't actually have a gun in his hands. They actually did that, and the gun was found at the scene. The guy had a gun, so now we're going to get into well, if if a police officer is chasing somebody who has a gun and they have it in their hand and he turns quickly, does the officer have to wait till he hears the bang before he fires back? I mean, look, this is a tragic situation. Nobody, you know, no, nobody feels anything other than than awful about the fact that a 13 year old is dead here. The cop didn't want to shoot him. The the people that are watching this good faith, uh, America, people of good faith all across the country. Feel badly about the about what happened, but we also know that a 13 year old boy with a handgun is it can be a lethal threat to law enforcement. And, you know, it's firing off rounds and then running from police in a dark alley creates a risky situation. But the activists are going to are going to leap on this. I'm sure the city of Chicago is going to pay his family, you know, 20 million dollars. The whole thing, the whole machinery of anti-cop outrage will be underway here. And and it already is. But notice how journos will lie about this. They will even doctor footage. They will change the evidence to fit their preferred narrative. 